You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everybody. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Anybody else tired? Yeah, and Greg Hectus. I'm a truck driver. I'm always tired. That should be real safe on the road, right? Safe and eye racing, too. Well, on the show this week, we'll review the E-NASCAR Coke Series race at the Lady in Black Darlington iRacing announced some electrifying news in their upcoming build. The Monday Night Racing League ends in glorious fashion, and we check out a monitor that answers the question, should I get a flat screen or a curved monitor? Yeah, and remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss. Just go to iRacersLounge.com and select show notes. So let's see you there. Yeah, SimCoaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High-quality construction, 100% leak-proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals, and they look absolutely amazing. Check out SimCoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLound to get 10% off your purchase. SimCoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. Coke race from Darlington. We uh, got a nice little video here uh, from last uh, race at Watkins Glen. They call it open mic, and uh, it's it's kind of a mimic off NASCAR's uh, radioactive uh, video that they do, where you get to hear the chat between the drivers and the spotters and crew chiefs, and kind of the behind the scenes of what's being heard while while the race is going down. Uh, this week was was quite interesting. Uh, a lot of kind of focused on frustration. Like you hear, uh, you know, all the different times when people get wrecked out. Like you know, Ray Alfala ended up on top of the barrels, uh, you know, in a in a second wreck, and when he's trying to go for the playoffs, and some of the frustration that he expressed over the mic was uh, was something else. But also, um, Corey Vincent. Oh my gosh, he was like. Man, if I see this guy in a dark alley, I think you know he's going to be in trouble, you know, kind of thing, and uh, kind of throwing out some uh, some pretty tight barbs and 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 whatnot, uh, you know, some verbal sparring. But uh, it's always fun to hear those. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool feature to have. Um, now, um, a few seasons ago, I haven't tried this in a little while. In the dirt World of Outlaw um, races, in the you know the big ones, you could ghost them and you could hear the chat as it's happening. But you can't. You, I couldn't do that with Coke. So uh, with Coke series, you can't get in there and and ghost in and listen to what they're chatting on the server. But uh, you used to be able to do it with the World of Outlaws. I don't know if you can do it anymore. I haven't tried, but it's really cool to hear these guys, uh, uh, you know, real-time uh, banter with each other during the races. 
Uh, it's good. It's always good to see any kind of behind the scenes, and especially when it's done in, in high quality like this. All right, so we're going to start with the pre-race. Uh, first off, uh, they had uh, Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman. They they gave a really good interview talking about how they use this uh, racing service on a day-to-day -day basis yeah, or week-to-week -week basis to practice for the real racing. So, uh, you know, that, that was a really good interview. You know, we always talk about Dale Earnhardt Jr. being such a, a great um, ambassador for iRacing, but these guys are, you know, right there with them for the most part. Um, but Graham Bowen and uh, Caden Honeycutt, they did not re register for the race event. So uh, so Bowen is, but Bowen, uh, he's still locked into the playoffs with his uh, victory earlier in the season. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure what happened to Graham and Caden that they couldn't make the race. But uh, yeah, I mean, hearing from Landon Castle, you know, it was priceless. I mean, he's running so good. And I thought for a moment the other night he was going to win that race at Daytona. But uh, real neat to see him get, like, I think his best result ever. Yeah, I believe Caden, he raced last night in that Cars Tour event at North Wilkesboro. So that's my, that might have been what he was doing. Um, but early in the going, uh, Keegan Leahy had the advantage. He and Bobby Lazinski had pulled away from the field. And if Keegan wins, Bobby is out. Bobby can possibly point in, but Keegan can't. So by lap 15, the biggest mover so far is Casey Kerwin, up six spots from 36th to 30th. Yeah, and, you know, talking to Keegan, you know, before the race as it was starting, I mean, he pulled out the pole position. He was in that spot, you know, to set himself up to, you know, basically win this race and get in the playoffs. But, uh, boy, uh, you know, he, he pulled away from the field. He was looking pretty good. Well, uh, Rio Othala didn't get the start he was looking for. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was playing uh, tag with Garrett Maines all the way back in 32nd place. Uh, and uh, with just 20 uh, laps complete and 100 to go, these guys were uh, were going at it. Um, on lap 24, Keegan Leahy gets uh, his first, the, the first Darlington stripe of the night. Huh? And it's the first one that's caught on camera. And uh, at the same time, uh, Bobby Zielinski's really closing in. Yeah, the first uh, chink in the armor, as they say. I mean, Keegan was looking like the car to beat up until this lap. Um, and so, boy, once you hit that wall once, uh, the car is never quite the same. But this car is a little different than the old one where um, it, it doesn't fall off as much. I mean, it's just a little bit at a time every time you nail it. Yeah, by lap 30, new leader Bobby Zelensky takes the top spot from Keegan Leahy. Uh, Matt Busa also gets around into P2. Now 35 laps have been complete. By lap 30 or 41, green flag pit start, uh, stops start occurring. And Bobby Lazinski has a comfortable lead as drivers opt to pit around uh, the one-third mark. Yeah, and we didn't know what they were going to be doing as far as pit stops at this track because there is some tire fall off here. And, and it, you know, so there's going to be a wide variety of, you know, are we going to pit early, you know, halfway, a little bit, you know, are we going to run it out of fuel kind of thing? Uh, so this was the beginning of that on lap uh, 41. So uh, next up, lap 51, we see uh, Ray Alfala. He's running 27th now, which puts him 26 points outside of the top 20 to automatically uh, uh, get into next year's uh, uh, racing. Um, 
But uh, Keegan Leahy is uh, he is actually closing back in. He's inching closer and closer to Bobby Zielinski every lap as the green flag, flag laps keep clocking in. Um, and then finally on lap 58, the caution finally comes out where Dylan Alt, um, he just loses it. It's it's Darlington. It's it's not unexpected to somebody just spin out at Darlington. So, But he did collect uh, Jimmy Mullis and Malik Ray uh, to dampen their day. Um, but the, many drivers are start pitting. Uh, Logan Clampett tried uh, tried to exit pit road as he was pitting in and hit the barrels instead. So he tried to uh, make a last minute change and didn't work out well. Oh man, and that's tough to make that decision right there at the beginning of pit road. Do I go? Do I not go? And I actually faced that in my Darlington race, and I almost got those uh, barrels because you know what? The, the tires are worn out at this point. And this is one of the hardest pit roads in NASCAR to get on uh, because the car won't turn. I mean, you drive it down in there, you turn the car left, it just keeps going straight. And uh, you feel helpless. Um, it's just one of those things, NASCAR. And they restart with uh, Keegan Leahy and Bobby Lazinski leading the field into turn one. Uh, almost a wreck for Casey Kerwin, Kyle Peddle, and Blade Witt, but they stay green. 44 to go. There's a new leader. Uh, Wilson gets to the front around Bobby Zelensky with just over 40 laps to go. Uh, but thankfully, Zelensky, he's still in the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, we had some great um, championship points uh, indicators. Like they had different colored uh, wings on the back of the car, depending on if they were in the, you know, comfortably in the playoffs or if they were on the bubble trying to race their way in or needed a win in. And so uh, it was kind of neat to, to watch the points as they run, um, you know, and at this moment with Bobby up front, it looked like, uh, you know, with Steven Wilson, who's a repeat winner, you know, leading the race, you know, he was still above the cut line. Can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Okay, sorry about that, guys. Uh, so uh, we're at 38 laps to go with uh, the running order being uh, Wilson, Zelensky, Conti, Lowe, followed by Leahy, Busa, and Reynolds. Um, but Lowe is struggling, and he's starting to fall back through the field. Uh, but uh, back up in the lead is uh, Bobby Zelensky. He takes control with 20 laps to go. And uh, with 20, uh, Zelensky, Conti is in second. Uh, Kihi is in third with Wilson, Busa, Reynolds behind them. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bobby's still looking good. Um, you know, where did, is Keegan going to be able to get back up there? Uh, and then we see Mike Conti up there flirting with the lead as well. So it's really anybody's race, but, uh, Hey, Wilson's lurking in fourth. Yeah. 16 to go. The biggest move of the race at this time was a uh, guest. He was up 23 spots from 33rd to 10th. Uh, Leahy gets by Conti and starts going after Bobby six to go. He is reeling him in. With five to go, caution comes out with uh, Nick Ottinger, Dylan um, Lenault, Malik Ray, and others crash. Yeah, I mean, we think we're going to get to the end here. It looks like Leahy's setting up to, uh, you know, get these guys on the longer run um, as he inches them in. But, boy, this caution is going to reset everything. And you know what? Butterflies in the stomach. I got them just watching the race. Like, what decision do you make with five to go um, for tires? Do you pit? Do you not pit? What do the leaders do? 
Well, uh, apparently Keegan Leahy and Garrett Mains decide they don't want tires. They stay out, but everybody else pitted. So they have got to be seeing that behind them going, what did I just do? Uh, Bobby Zielinski took four, but six other cars in front of him took just two tires. So we finally get to restart with two to go, and Wilson gets by for the lead, and a big caution comes out right before the white flag, um, and it just cars are just stacked up all over the place, including Real Fala, who's struggling to stay in the top 20. Yeah, and I think Wilson had the two tires, and uh, this was a key moment in the race to, to get that track position, and it looked like the white was out. In fact, you could see Barney had it in his hand. It was up in the air, and then you saw him withdraw it and just as they were coming to the line. I mean, it was like the perfect timing. We've seen that in NASCAR where, you know, they withhold it like right at the line. And it was the same kind of scenario. So, yeah, let's uh, rack them up and, and try it again. Yeah, it was crazy. It was uh, it wasn't very comfortable seeing uh, Lee. He stay out there during that, uh, that caution period, knowing what was going to happen. He's just going to fall to the back and most likely fall out of uh, the top 20 there, or stay out of the top 20. He needed that win. But Zelensky is restarting fifth on the restart up front. It will be Wilson, Bowden, Reynolds, Luza, and Zelensky. Great restart for Wilson. He breaks free as Bowden and Reynolds side-by-side side as Wilson drives away. Uh, Reynolds breaks free to second as they take the white. Bobby gets a third on the white, goes for second, but Wilson is way out front and wins. Uh, Zelensky with a third-place finish will point his way to be the 10th seed for the playoffs. Steven Wilson is now a three-time winner of the season and takes the top spot for the playoffs. Wow. And we finally have a leader emerging as we go into the points championship. And Steven Wilson is going to be that guy. I mean, he's, he's red hot. He's got the most wins now. He's top seed uh, for the playoffs. Uh, you know, coming off this win at Darlington, going straight into the playoffs. I mean, he's looking really good. And, uh, as far as Bobby Zelensky's story, I mean, that was that was a close, you know, thing to follow all night. And he ran really well, uh, you know, to finish third. Uh, he got it done. But, you know, if somebody else would have won, he would have been in trouble. Yeah, these uh, uh, these really late cautions can really just throw a monkey wrench in these races. And, you know, a lot of times when those late cautions happen like that, the, the, the fastest car does not win. It's just who gets the right pit strategy and makes the right decision on whether to pit or not. And uh, Steve Wilson just just made the right choices and uh, and took that victory. So uh, congratulations to him. He's having a he's having a great season and uh, you'll see his name a little later in this show. Is a uh, race control manual in the Coke series or is it automated like official series? It's manual. I think they run officially uh, as a league. That's why you, you know, you can't go in and ghost it and hear it. Like Brian was talking about, uh, they, they have it restricted to the league members. Uh, but yeah, they're there. I believe Tyler Hudson is the uh, race control. And that's how you can throw a caution. So short, just like real life, I guess. And, and they also extend the caution, like if they were interviewing somebody, uh, you know, and on for the broadcast, I've seen it where they've extended the caution. Well, good race. It was, it was a little bit of, you know, watching everyone kind of go through the tires, uh, you know, through the first part of the race, uh, getting into the green flag stops. And then, it, you know, it got exciting when that caution came out, you know, it's like, okay, let's re-rack them. And then, you know, the caution with five to go to set up that, you know, tire strategy call uh, 
man, I love driving NASCAR, but I don't like making those decisions. And, and that's why I work, I run with a team, you know, so I can say, dude, what do I do? And, and I, you know, I got seven or eight guys in the room. They'll give me, you know, some quick answers, you know, what they think and I'll make a decision and go with it. But, uh, you know, these guys in the Coke race, they have the same kind of structure where they have people there in their ear telling them, uh, what to do. And, and sure enough, Stephen Wilton said on the race after, uh, on the Twitter, you know, thanks to his crew chief who made that call, uh, for the two tires. Cause that ended up being the right call. I mean, if you look at Bobby Zelensky, uh, he had the track position. If he would have done two tires instead of four, he would have been the first on two tires and probably would have won that race. Yeah. I, I understand the, the dilemma between taking two and four tires where some real strategy skill plays there, but not taking tires. I, I did not immediately. Once you saw him not come in and the rest of the field stay out, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree, Donnie, especially at Darlington. That, that track is just known for just chewing tires up like crazy. jump to stories we got a nice shout out from uh our listener dave cam who's a youtuber out there uh, dave was excited to learn this week was daytona week on the nascar side of the service daytona week was brought to his attention by our twitter post from earlier in the week asking followers what track layout they prefer oval or road at the beginning of the video he does give us a nice shout out thanks dave i appreciate that i always watch your videos and uh, I, I enjoy watching uh what you uh, brits do out on the roadside yeah he gave us a shout out and dedicated the video to the podcast which was which actually pretty damn cool but um he's probably one of my favorite youtubers um i like barry for the review process but dave has good equipment i love the setup here it's something um, I think I'm going to try to aspire to achieve. Uh, everything about it looks awesome, but I know it's a great video um, and a great guy. Now, I don't know if you've watched him long enough, Donnie, to see his previous setup. It was all made out of wood. He had a, a it looked like an 80-20 rig with, with triples, but it was all wood. Yeah, I saw him build that. It was intriguing, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's for me. Um, but yeah, no. Um, what he does is usually pretty good, but I, I'm just, I'm more curious about the GoPro he has and the way he shoots his content, uh, compared to most other guys. And, um, we talked about FOV last week. I don't know if it was on the podcast or just in, in regular talk, but, uh, he's got his, uh, screens right above the wheel and maybe right in front of it with a little extension. So just little things I'm learning by seeing other, other stuff and the bevel reveals or, um, concealers are pretty spot on with his here. And uh, another shout out, he was wearing an iRacers Lounge t-shirt. I don't know if you guys uh, picked up on that. That was really cool, too. Um, um, but I love when these guys who are really good road racers and um, get into these, not just oval races, but super speedway races, because that's like a different animal all, all, all of its own, you know, um, when you're when you're racing in these packs it's it's so different than than road racing but um dave dave always does a really good job in these races i'm really impressed with his results um i i'm really impressed with how how well he controls his uh his anger when uh stuff happens he's uh he he always has a good demeanor about him and uh you know it's it's one of the reasons why his his uh videos are so enjoyable to watch 
Yeah, him obviously being a road guy, but he's a great ambassador. So he's willing to do the ovals and and give his honest feedback and opinion uh, regarding them. And we're going to get to a topic later on that's a little frustrating for me when it comes to to road versus oval. But for a guy like him to to be the ambassador that he is and be open minded about all different types of form of racing, it, it's just good to see. So I actually want to give a shout out to his uh, to a video he did recently of his significant other. Uh, doing a race and it was a pickup cup i think maybe it was charlotte or talladega i don't know but she was driving and he's backseat driving uh and it was hilarious just to kind of see the the interplay between the the couple you know husband and wife uh you know him you know saying this and that and hey let let this guy go let this guy go and then sure enough this guy wrecks right in front of her and he's she's able to miss it and He's like, yeah, I told you so, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, so did you guys all see the surprise ending at the end of the race? Um, and Dave's wheel literally comes off his hub. No, I didn't say that long. Yeah, he, at the very end of the race, he gets he's in the truck series, and uh, and there's an accident uh, to and takes him down to the in, infield on the uh, I think it was on the back on the super stretch on the backside and uh, he he's fighting it through the uh, the, the uh, grass and uh, back onto the track and his wheel comes off off the hub I, th- I think he said that it looked like his screws might have been a little, little too short didn't have enough bite into uh, into the hub so uh, uh, all that sh- banging around going through uh, going through that accident his uh, his wheel just separated right from the hub yeah, it looks like he's using that Fanatec uh, NASCAR licensed oval wheel. Is that a uh, physics gone wrong, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. A Twitter post that... by Brendan Hyperstar shows off a pickup cup tra- crash. Maybe something similar to what you were mentioning before. Uh, gone wrong or good, depending on, on what you like. But the video has a nice, smooth 80 soundtrack to it. I kind of call this the barrel rolls. I mean, or or, you know ballerina spins you know how a ballerina will spin on her tippy toes uh a tip top uh a a top uh i I guess you know you have a top with a string and you pull the string and it spins yeah that's what this truck is doing uh craziest wreck i've ever seen yeah it's like it's like um the figure skaters skaters when they do them spins and they like spinning so fast it's a motion blur that's kind of how how this was um i can't imagine seeing being in vr in this i think it would be instant motion sickness like right away it was spin so fast yeah you have to shut your eyes um I've, i haven't seen an anomaly like this like people getting launched into space or these crazy spins i've not encountered this i'm starting to see the wheels though on, on pit road now that you mentioned mike a few, from a few weeks back but i uh, haven't experienced this I don't know what this would have been like in VR. It would have been probably pretty terrible. Maybe it just shuts off. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I haven't really tried. I've never raced a pickup cup uh, before, but um, my boy has been running some just to pass the time. So I might get in there and just check it out. It doesn't count towards anything, right? No, it's just unofficial. Yeah, I I, I used to have a lot of fun just switching between pickup cup and um, carburetor cup and uh, Delara Dash. And and you can almost run those in order and um, and just keep busy all day long and running unofficial. So the camera at the last part of the video, the camera shot is the coolest camera shot. It's like a camera facing the driver. So you can see the driver's face 
and the camera is locked to the horizon so it's not going to twist as the car twists so then the car is twisting but the camera is holding still and it's and because it's spinning so fast you know like a the blur almost it's the craziest looking camera shot yeah i'll pass i'll pass on that one in vr maybe <laughs> nope as I, i've done that before right where like donnie says i literally close my eyes sometimes in rex because that the the crazy movement will, will throw your senses off and you'll start to get sick a little bit so what about the motion uh brian uh, what would your motion rig do in a wreck like that i, I don't even know what it would do in something like that i i have a feeling it would probably just wig out and, and not understand what it's telling it to do, or I, I don't know. Maybe you could just start jumping up and spinning around. Well, we had that one uh, rig a while ago that, that spun in circles. That thing would have been spinning like a lathe um, if, if uh, it was doing what this car did. That can't be safe. All right, I got the next one. Do we need a 100% NIS series? This comes up ever so often, probably once a year. Uh, this is a forum uh, poll put up by member Andrew T. Jones. He asked, do we need this, yes or no? And I voted a big old fat no. Um, you know, and I think I actually did a comment here. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, I did. So I'm going to read my comment and my reason. I put, no, the current length and times have been set for several years now, and this series has flourished. For what you propose would potato it. Most people, I would think, are not willing to run a 9 p.m. Eastern start full-length race 36 weeks. The half distance is great, two, two and a half hours usually. We still need some family life balance too. Four times a year, we run the full length. It's perfect. Most can commit to a series, I would think, that is not overbearing. So a big fat no. I th my my opinion would be if they do this, it would have to be separate from the current NIS, and that's gonna and that would take away from some of the participation. I would think in the in the you know the NIS that runs half most of the time. Um, so I I I like the idea of it. I don't like what it would the effects that would have on NIS as a normal series. Um, because I, I think they should have that option. Um, and you couldn't, I don't think you'd be able to cross over the points between the two, between the regular NIS and a 100% NIS. So I think that would be taken out of this, uh, you know, have its own separate points. But um, I, I think it's a good idea. I just, I just think it's going to hurt NIS the other way around. Rob, Rob yeah, Paul I, to pay Mary. Yeah, I actually agree with everything Mike said and everything you said there, Brian. Um, if they did something like this, you, you would have now granted I'm an NIS newbie. I I've only ran maybe a handful of races this season, but I plan on doing it going forward. So, um, keep the four fixed, keep the four open, keep it its own championship on the fixed and, and open side. But if you do bring in this hundred percent series, make it a one-time slot. It could be the, the, the hardcore series and make it one, you know, the same day of the week, one-time slot, you make it, you don't make it, uh, maybe make it Sunday morning who knows or or maybe saturday evening i don't i don't know where you'd put it but but it make it its own thing and so that way it wouldn't take away from the open and fix it might take if you know i plan on only running two two opens but i want to run this 100 one 100 percent race then i might only run one open 
and then then this one full length race. But honestly, I thought Darlington was a full full race this week, so I wasn't even planning on running it. I was like, I don't have time Friday evening to run 500 miles at Darlington, which I think would be four and a half five hours. I don't know what it usually would take. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So, but I was glad to learn it wasn't. So I started practicing last night. But um, but yeah, I, I can see this happening if it, w- it was its own dedicated series because there, there's talks on the IndyCar side because right now I believe we run half the, the races over there or half half length. But um, there's talks about pushing that uh, to 100% for the full series, for, for the open series, and I think fix as well. I don't know. Rebuttal is, you know, the, the, the crown jewel events, the Daytona 500. I mean, would it stay with the current NIS or would it fall, fall into the new – hundred percent, you know, NIS, uh, no, you, you know, no, you and, the, and that kind of thing. You keep open and fix exactly how they are though. The Daytona 500. Wow. Now that, that one's tricky. Cause that one falls in open and fixed. Um, but you so, want yeah, I don't everyone know. to be able to participate in a crown event, you know, and you need the multiple time slots slots that NIS provides. Um, and so it's a perfect, like I said before, it's a perfect balance uh, why monkey was something that we've, we've really, you know, stuck with for how many years, I don't know how many years NIS has been going. I think it's nine or 10 now. And we really haven't changed anything since the beginning. I mean, it's really stayed the same Be- and, and that's another reason let's keep it the same, you know? So I'm a big fat no on this. Now the poll actually is going the other way. They got 66% saying yes, 33% no, but not a lot of votes, only 68 votes total. Yeah, to, to take this in two different directions, um, there's always a topic that comes up with NIS about adding a fifth time slot. Now, I'm the furthest west. Well, I'm in your time zone, Mike, but you don't change like I do throughout the year. Um, but it's rough. It's rough to make a Wednesday night uh, 6 p.m. start and a Friday night 6 p.m. start or we got to do Sunday morning at seven. There's always been talk about a fifth slot um, later in the evening, but people are worried about participation at that point. And um, also I also uh, hear about in the forums on the, the B side and the C side is on the um, bringing. So there, the, the, the B open runs a full schedule. I think they run 38 races throughout the season, but they're talking to uh, there's talks in those forums about bringing the NIS to the B series and the C series as well, but will that hurt the participation of the the traditional NIS series? Another rebuttal is, you know, you look at the length of the Coke race, you know, they're following half distance or even less in some cases, um, but they're not doing more than that. And, and there's a reason for it. I mean, again, we're not doing real racing, you know, we're not NASCAR. We don't need to run 500 miles. We're doing sim racing and, and sim racing is a, I don't know. For me, I think more than two and a half, three hours is too much usually. And I don't mind it once in a while on special events, but on a regular basis, I don't know. I, it just, it just rose me the wrong way. Um, I I'd rather not. But the other thing is what about leagues? I mean, we have leagues that fill this need. There's a great league called full throttle. And guess what? They run every Saturday night, full length, nascar and uh they have a full field or almost a full field anybody can go there and run you know 100 percent race links there's other uh leagues out there that do the same thing so you know what about that 
Yeah, if I'm going to run a league rate, oh, sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, Mike kind of stole my thunder. That's where I was going to bring up next. I think this might, might be better suited for leagues because the reason I think people want to do 100% races because they want to do exactly the same thing that the, you know, that the cup cars do in real life. They want to run the same tracks. They want to run the same length of races. But another thing that lead provides is that they'll be running against the same people every single week. And that's another, um, another part of the puzzle that really makes it realistic. You're always running against the same folks, uh, every week. And, um, so maybe, maybe Mike has a good point that, uh, that leagues would be the best place for this type of uh, series. Yeah. And going forward next year, I'd be interested in joining a league. The time would have to be right. And I'd even pay for it. But the problem is I'd want a, a good league with, um, minus all the bureaucracy that goes along with the leagues and where they favor certain people. I, I was a part of the league in the very beginning and I saw it right away and it just turned me off and I've never gone back to a league. Um, the favoritism would bother. If, it, if there was a league out there that ran very strictly, there was no bias towards anything. Um, then yeah, I'd be, I'd be all for it. Well, you're not 35 yet. Are you Donnie? I'm 40. Well, no 39. Okay. Check out OBRL. That's that's exactly how they run. They're they're clean, uh, very. I mean, they they stick to the rules and they don't have any favorites at all. I've heard of them. Yeah, old up. bastards racing league. Didn't you guys run that before? Oh yeah, Brian did. I yeah, remember you Chris guys mentioned running it. Yeah, we've had quite a few people in it at one point or another. Um, I think I've probably been around the longest in that league uh, out of all the Tifosi guys. Chris has been around pretty long, too, actually. But, um, yeah, um, I'm just uh, getting ready to get back into it as soon as I iron out a couple problems. And that's my next goal was to get back into OBRL races. Cool. All right. I got a wild finish to the Monday Night Racing League Championship between a guy, Presley Sora, and Anthony Alfredo. Uh, basically, they came down to the line and uh, wrecked each other uh, coming to it. Uh, it was pretty ugly, um, to be honest. And um, in fact, the, the, there was even some like Twitter backlash, like saying, you know, why are we celebrating this kind of racing? Because this is ugly. Yeah, it was uh, not a good look at all. But you can hear the background screaming. Uh, I mean, it was a it was an obvious takeout. I mean, he took him out, wrecked, and then the whole front stretch wrecked, and then it was like a they had a crawl across the finish line. Uh, I wasn't impressed. This would have bothered me if I was a part of a league, and this is what we're going for. This would bother me. Yeah, this is a high profile league. This is the one that Kyle Busch was in for quite some time, and obviously Anthony Alfredo and others. In fact, this uh, event was uh for the guys who were running for the championship or whatever were at the charlotte uh rising uh event hall or whatever you want to call it they had the rig set up there uh they had the announcers there um they had a you know guest you know watching and cheering and that kind of thing so you know they're doing stuff that other leagues aren't doing you know they're meeting in person and they have audience and and so they're doing some really neat stuff, but, I, but you're right. You know, is the racing living up to it? I don't know. All right. I'm, I'm going to play devil advocate here. Um, I actually really enjoyed watching this video. Um, first of all, just to clarify, um, uh, Anthony and, um, and, uh, 
Presley were not actually winning the race when they were coming on turn four. Those two were the only two uh, racers left in the um, championship points. And this is the last race of the season. And uh, so they're the last, they're, they're side by side or, or front and back going into the last turn of the race of this championship series. So whoever crosses the line out of the two of them is going to be the, the champion of this uh, league. Um, actually, they weren't even running first and second. I think they were third and fourth or something like that. So. So yeah, now the the the, uh, the contact was a little little out of out of hand, but where uh, Anthony Alfredo kind of pushes them going into turn three and then uh, turn four, they they just kind of wipe each other out. But the crazy thing was, you know, other cars are passing them as they're wiped out, and they whoever crosses the line first is the league champion and they're getting booted they're literally getting hammered across the line by cars coming up through the field i don't know if they're doing it on purpose to try to get their favorite driver across the line by by smashing them through the through the uh, start finish line but that's pretty much how it wound up finishing with with cars just slamming them through the line it was it was it, it reminded me of um, actually reminded me of the Cars movie when uh, you know at the very end when uh, when uh, he has no tires left and he's trying to trying to get across the line and all these cars are coming by him it was, it was that's what kind of reminded me of it was really really kind of exciting despite how bad of uh, how bad it was as far as the contact goes. Yeah, it's it's too bad that they couldn't race it a little bit cleaner. Yeah, but but it was a neat event. Uh, I pulled I put in the the full Monday night racing Twitter feed into the script because scrolling through it, there's like, they, they posted so many pictures and videos of the event. You can really get a flavor of what it's like to be there by looking at these pictures. It's so cool. I mean, uh, that, you know, they're bringing these people together. There's a trophy at the end for the, the guy, he wins an interstate battery. Uh, and so then the next day he gets to go meet, coach Joe Gibbs at Joe Gibbs racing. And, and then apparently today it shows that he's actually getting a late model test in a real car. And very cool. And that, that's awesome to hear about the bringing the, the sim rigs to the event. It looked like that the, those were their actual rigs that they had to pack up and bring in. We've been talking about that the last several weeks of how that would happen, but it looks like it was uh, each individual rig that they had a haul in there and set up and you saw people working on them in the background as, as the event was going on. Pretty cool to see. Yeah. You know, especially for a guy like Anthony, uh, Alfredo, who's a busy guy. I mean, he's an Xfinity driver and, uh, you know, he's traveling every week and, uh, man, to, to take time to tear down his rig and haul it in there and reset it up, you know, pretty cool. Hey, how about a job as a quality assurance tester, Brian? Yeah. So, uh, iRacing posted in the forums that they're looking for a quality assurance tester. So um, this is a pretty cool, uh, um, a pretty cool job to have. Um, it, it's it's not like your typical job with that they post. That's real high uh, high qualifications as far as technical skills and stuff like that. You know, there's no degrees or any kind of uh, anything like that. It's really just testing cars out you're going to be racing the trying the beta the uh alpha test team and uh you know they just want somebody who's been around ice racing for a little while has a really good eye for detail and things like that you know it's a it's a pretty cool sounding job it sounds like your job is basically the to just 
race and see what's going on. What's wrong? Yeah, that's new code. You know, they they write up new code. Somebody's got to put it, you know, through its paces to see if it works or it doesn't work. And uh, back in the day, I used to be with a company where we developed a, a piece of software. And I went through the development process where I did stuff like this, where we would beat up on it. You know, we would do what I would call monkey testing, where you go in and push buttons that you wouldn't think would you would normally push <laughs> just to see if you could break it. Um, and we did. We found all kinds of problems and we would report them out. And this is that kind of job. Where, but like Brian said, it's, hey, you're getting in the car, you're racing on a track, you're, you're going to see if, you know, if it works. Yeah, it's always a job you always heard of as a kid growing up playing video games. That, that'd be an awesome job to have. Just play video games all day, find bugs. Sometimes when I think about it, I don't even think I'm smart enough to do it. Like I would play the game or I'd race on the track in the sim and I wouldn't even know what I'm, I'm missing if I'm missing some bugs and whatnot. But so you got to have that, that special individual willing to dedicate his time, probably play for free and uh, hopefully find some bugs, help us out. Got to move to Boston though. No, thanks. All right. So Donnie, how do you enjoy oval racing? Well, I love oval racing. But uh, Michael Bergbauer asked, what do oval guys like about oval racing, considering it's like playing Russian roulette with all wrecks? So he posted in the, in the forums this topic, and he says, I just don't get it. I would like to know, and I tried to like oval. I race short track in Legends and Street Socks. That could be a problem. Trucks and Xfinity. But in all series, it boils down to playing Russian roulette. There's probably... 30 to 50% chance in every race to be wrecked by some kind of potato. What do you actually enjoy about oval racing? So this topic always bothers me and it always seems to come from the roadside asking what's the deal with oval. I never have once thought like, Oh man, what are these roadies like about road racing? If I want to road race, I'll road race and I'll enjoy it. Um, but this, this is always the, um, the misconception I feel because I don't get in a lot of races where it's just nothing but wreck fest. Uh, my be open races are pretty clean. We just raced Darlington this week and we had our one or two cautions. We had our 60 lap green flag run. Uh, NIS could be a little different, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like these posts. I think, you know, I, I can identify with this guy back in my first year. I probably could have wrote the same post. You know, I, I didn't get it. You know, it was like I was running, I believe, Legends and Street Stock and that kind of thing. And and, and like the guy says, you're wrecked out 50, 60 percent of the time. And uh, you're kind of wondering, OK, is this fun? Is this, you know, is, am, I, am I headed to something different? But, you know, for those people that feel that way, you know, I guess my, my what I say is, is wait for it. Move on to the next level, you know get your eye your eye rating up a little bit get your license up and migrate into some different series and different cars um and 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 experiment and try different things and guess what you will find oval racing that's fun when you get the right car on the right track with the right guys it's a blast man it's a blast um I can't, I, I you know I try to think of some of the best racing I've ever been in and it's the winter league when we had a bunch of iRacing employees in there with us, with the, the Sadler brothers and a bunch of guys from, you know, like Garrett Mains and all this East Sadler guys, that was some great racing, you know, and Tyler Hudson was making it four wide and 
and, and nobody would wreck and and we were doing all these crazy moves and 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 it was and pulling it off and that's when it's just gold you know and and when you get that kind of moment you're like yeah this is oval racing yeah now, I, did, I did a no, I did. Oh, go ahead I'm sorry the the best way I can sum it up is um is um I think with road racing, you're racing the track a lot more. And in oval racing, you're racing other cars a lot more. So if other cars are not up to par or they're not, they don't have good race craft, then yeah, those races are not going to be great. But when, when you're firing all, on all cylinders, you got good drivers around you and it's more, more racing person to person than, than uh, road tends to be that's where that's where the gold is like you were saying mike that's where the you know that's where you get the the most satisfaction is when you're racing guys you're clean and you're you're running hard and and you're racing that person you get a you get more of a a feel of a competition between people than competition between you and how well you can run the track yeah i, I remember you brian saying some of your best races were OBRL, you know, get a top five there, you know, racing against those guys, that's saying something, you know, and, and you had to earn it and you, and, and you gained respect, you know, from that top five. Yeah. This, this week at Darlington, you're definitely racing the track and other cars. Um, it's an awesome track. It's, it's a very driver friendly track, but nah, I, uh, a lot of it is, uh, what you're willing to do on the track as well, what you're willing to let go by. If you're out there racing, a hundred percent of the time and your ability might not be there or you're racing that ding dong that's going to wreck you then you know what that ding dong is going to wreck you and it is what it is you got to learn from that and maybe just let him go and let him figure it out up ahead kind of like in the roadside when that guy's going to dive bomb you going into that hairpin you know not to race him into that hairpin just let him drive himself right off the corner <laughs> yeah and you get that experience the next time you race you use that experience to to do something differently, you know? Yeah. Then once you develop yep. that experience, you learn to put the right amount of fuel in your car. You don't run out on the last green white checkered. <laughs> so, uh, I did reply to this post. Uh, I want to write, uh, read what I wrote. I, I wrote racing oval. Isn't just something to enjoy. It is literally a lifestyle. As I always say, if it was easy, nobody would do it. All right. We're going to move on to the, uh week 13 is coming and we're getting drops and we got a new drop uh donnie what is it well it's not pike's peak unfortunately it's uh rudes coogan i've never heard of this track maybe some of us have rudes coogan motor center i recently announced that the upcoming release in the week uh 13 build next week for the Norwegian Rude Sogen Motor Center as free content in the upcoming build. So I have not experienced them bringing a new track to the service and it being free. So this seems pretty exciting. Uh, has this happened to you guys in the past where new tracks come to the service out of nowhere and it's free? They have done that before. Um, the, the scuba, the scuba, the scuba, which starts with a T. It sounds like scuba, though. Yeah, that, I think that one was one was like that as well. But um, and I think they did that, Donnie, with the early rally tracks and the early dirt tracks. They were also free content. Well, it's just good to see that even in our times now, that um, needing the most money possible to keep the, the service going, that they're willing to put out a track for free. 
Um, I have no idea what this track's about, uh, the layout, but I do see a formula car on it. Um, so I'm curious to give it a go and see what kind of, see if it's in the USF series next season or for season one in the wintertime. Now, before the announcement in the forums, they, they kind of figured this out based on the screenshot that we thought was Pike's Peak last week. Um, in fact, it was Billy R. Roberts in the forums. Uh, he pulled up a Google map, uh, GPS coordinates of, uh, Rudd's Coggin. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, it turned out that, uh, that's what it was. Rudd's Coggin sounds a lot better than what I tried to say. Rudd's Coggin. We'll go with that. So, uh, Rudd's Coggin is, uh, two 0.02 mile long track. So uh, it's fairly decent size. Um, they use a lot of, they do some motorcycle racing on it. Um, a lot of, a lot of turns. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty um, technically looking track. Um, so a pretty interesting look. And I don't think you're going to get like any real big cars, real fast cars on there um, to, you know, like a formula one cars, not probably going to be a great, car track for that i don't know it looks a little too small and too tight for those cars it says here um it has long straightaways and tight technical sections uh with an extended fleet of both porsche and mercedes gt vehicles it's an ideal training ground for those looking to gain experience in competitive sports cars of all types which kind of makes sense why it would be a free track they typically are tracks that uh your first learning your the learning how to race on i think it's a, a good business move too to to take cra uh, tracks like this that are brand new and not charged for them and include them in the the package because it, it continues to build value on the original package remember we're paying monthly uh and and so you know as new people come in you know they're not getting the same thing that you could have got 10 years ago I think when I first joined, there was some kind of special at the time where join now and get Watkins Glen for free or something like that. And I think they were charging for it, and but they were including it if you started a free membership. I kind of remember something like that when I first started. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's great that they continue to you know increase that base package. That's yeah, interesting you say that. Uh, so when I started two years ago, I have the legacy content some of it. Um, and then I noticed when my son got on a couple months ago, he does not have nearly half of the legacy content that I had and I didn't buy the legacy content. It was, it just came with it. So I was curious how that works. Um, he did do the 50% off the two year subscription. So, or it was 60%, whatever his promo was, but, um, but yeah, he doesn't have, um, a lot of the cup cars from the previous generations that, that, um, that I got when I signed on. I would think it would all be the same. I, I don't get that either. The base content is the base content for everybody, right? I don't know. We'll have to dig into that. Brian, how about the world of outlaws? Yeah, boy. The uh, iRacing Butt Kicker World Outlaw Late Model Series uh, had round six Monday night, and they were at Kokomo, which is um, – a bull ring. I think it's, a, it's really the first bull ring they've had this season. It's it's listed as a quarter mile track, but for being such a small track, it's very wide in the turns. So I, I'd love to see how much difference there is in distance between the inside line and the high line. It's 
it's probably like you know it, it could be like a couple couple tenths of a mile longer at the top than the bottom but uh but you get a lot of speed up there because it is banked a little bit more and uh it was a it was a cool race to watch because you have you have these guys running this extremely low uh slider line and these other guys running the wall and uh they would separate by six car lengths in the corner and then uh come back together on the exits and um you know, it's so short, you really don't even have a straightaway. It's barely straightaway. You probably don't even go straight at all before you turn into the next turn. So it was a cool track to watch this, these guys race on. Um, and uh, coming out ahead in uh, week six at Kokomo was Blake Majulis, which is his third win of the season. So that's his third win in six races. So he's won half the races this year. Um, um, Evan C was the uh, points leader. He's having that great season. Uh, but uh, he finished second right behind Blake. So Blake barely made any, I think two points is all that you get difference between first and second. So barely made up any points on Evan C again, having a monster season. This is his third, second place finish. And he's had, uh, or fourth, second and two wins. So again, he's won his, won his heat again. He's won. He's been in the top two, all six races so far this season, just an amazing season top so far two. for Evan C. Yeah. So, um, you know, Mark Martin second. had a Mark Martin had a year like that. I think one year where he was like top two, top three, like almost every race. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's really going to be interesting to see how if he can keep this going. It's just been amazing. Um, and third place goes to a guy who runs the NASCAR Cup cars, uh, Stephen Wilson, who actually is Whoa. the points leader. Yeah, he's a, he's actually pretty damn good on dirt too. So he finished third for this week, um, and uh, we're going to be headed out to week seven on Monday. Uh, Blake um, or uh, FNC's lead is actually uh, 38 points right now. So a solid lead going into round seven um, in the World Outlaws. Yeah, one thing more. Wonder, no, sorry, Donnie. I was going to say, you got to wonder about the confidence that Steven Wilson might be getting from running so good in dirt and then taking it to the Coke race, you know. And, and you also got to run wonder, you know, running dirt, you know, running off that left rear, is that helping him, you know, getting laps on dirt? Does that help him in the Coke car any? I don't know. Possibly. Once you morph into that alien, you're a full alien at this point, and you're just good across all disciplines. Um, it is what it is. Who knows what they're doing? They, they, they're just really good. So if we get our aliens in our typical series we run, they're not going to the dirt car. They're not going to the road car, and they're not aliens there. But these guys here, um, this Wilson guy, I don't know, maybe he's – morphing into that alien right do you have time to chat ui or ux dave snyder posted a tweet asking if you're an iRacing user and have an hour to chat with me about ui in the game you can sign up on his google doc and he will talk to you about upcoming ui changes and it's basically he's he's trying to do uh a study or something of that uh, along those lines. Uh, it's going to involve a Zoom session where they ask questions about your experiences and so forth. And uh, I don't now. Steve Myers was the one who tweeted or retweeted this guy's information, 
So I don't know if he intends to provide his results to iRacing, that, that potentially they can modify their UI accordingly, you know, based on the results of, of his study or, or what the situation is. But uh, a neat opportunity. I actually decided I would not um, uh, participate in this one. Uh, I think I've given my opinion on the UI uh, plenty enough, and, uh, and I'll, I'll just do it from my own platform. I thought I saw your name on there, number one. You're the first one to sign up. Right, right. Yeah, this this sounds a lot like a focus group study, you know, where uh, where they have groups of people and they ask them questions and try to get feedback. That's what it looks like, like a digital version of a focus group. Yep. So get the link on our uh, website from the script, uh, or you can find a guy uh, on Twitter. His name is at Enemy Kite. Yes. So I know your big beef with the UI is to how many clicks it takes to get to the race. I think I just did it in six clicks, just in case you're curious. It's a lot of clicks. Oh, that's three times more than what I need. <laughs> I, I, I've come to enjoy the UI. I, there's things I, I need in there, like the championship point standings. That's, that's silly that it's not in there. Um, and the, I don't know, I've just gotten used to it after I just went cold turkey one day and decided to only use the UI. Um, I don't like it for updates, though. I go back to the website for updates, so maybe they can work on that being better. Every time I click on an update in the UI, sometimes it gives me an error code. Then I got to go back out, go back in, and then now I just go with the the old website for updates because it's fail proof. It just updates when when you need to. All right, Brian, we have an almost controversy again. Again. Yeah, so um, apparently there was an iRacer who posted a, a pretty offensive video and kind of was posing as Tanner Gray, who's a, who's a real-life driver, and um, and uh, it caused uh, quite a storm. Um, Steve Myers actually uh, posted a tweet uh, saying that um, he can confirm that they verified that the count was not the actual Tanner Gray uh, real driver and cleared him of any kind of... Um, any kind of culpability in the release of this video. Um, so that was good. Tanner actually posted on his own website, you know, his, uh, his disassociation having nothing to do with this and, um, and uh, just kind of just said, this was not me. Um, it's a shame that I, that it even got close to the point where it, it was considered to be something that he did, but it didn't, it was all cleared up. They wound up finding uh, finding out the person who did it. Um, Steve Meyer posted that yeah, he's not going to be a member of iRacing anymore. So he got a what sounds like a, a death penalty lifetime ban in iRacing. Um, so he uh, the person who did it actually did tweet on his uh, tw put a Twitter out and he took responsibility for it. Kind of apologized, I guess. He never really said I'm sorry. He just said uh, I'm could have ruined this guy's career i should have done it basically yeah so the guy who put up who did the the video that was pretending to be tanner gray I, apparently he used a picture of that shows tanner gray so that further thought you know people thought it was really the guy when it, in fact it wasn't and and what happened is the nascar twitterverse as i call it they went on full cancel 2022 style you know and you've we've seen you know the cancel culture before and and they canceled this guy you know within a few hours uh you know they they blew him up um uh, and that's 
that's what led to you know the original guy who posted the original video to apologize profusely and then i went on to do some further uh you know looking through twitter and there's a lot of nascar twitter personalities people that are uh, always talking nascar on twitter uh many many apologies uh, you know because all these people were, were roasting him they were canceling him and uh and and you know rightfully so there's a you know a lot of these people coming back and saying hey i'm sorry you know obviously you know and that kind of thing but i think it really points out uh the real ugly side of social media uh, i don't think it, it's specifically nascar i think there's other groups and social entities out there that have the same cancel culture built in but uh yeah it's not pretty yeah and that's that's honestly unfortunately not to get too into the weeds but that's where society's at we're judging before we know facts um and i was bummed out when i saw this originally because i'm a ford guy and he's in the program he's not rising like i thought he would and we don't have a lot of ford drivers in the pipeline but there was an awesome video i watched i never heard of this guy his name's austin Oganowski over on uh, YouTube. Looks like it's a small channel. And the, the title was Stop Falling Around Pro Drivers on iRacing. So I just clicked on it. I just want to check it out. Um, and it was regarding this incident. And two things he brought up, which were really good. Um, but one of them was, I guess there's people like this kid who, di who did this. He follows these pro drivers around. He finds their names, follows them around and the, in the hopes that they're going to say something stupid. And then they take it to social media. So for one, we have that going on, which is, which is shameful. But the second part, and he brings up a great point, is when are they going to get to a breaking point where we're not going to see pro drivers in here anymore because they have to worry about their reputation? And nothing cooler. And when I first came on the show, you asked me my most uh, memorable moment, and I couldn't come up with one at the moment. But I, I, I screenshotted it, but I, I actually was in a, a street stock race with Dale Jr., and I outqualified him. And I don't want to not have that again. I've raced Hermie Sadler and Elliot Sadler in the past and just random official races and you'll see guys, but, um, it is true. If this becomes an issue, uh, we may stop seeing them. One, one Twitter person, I forget who it was said, maybe the solution is iRacing needs the blue check Mark verified. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it would be too hard to do. I mean, we all put our credit card on file uh you know with with iRacing to pay for the service and that's what they derive your username from typically is whatever credit card you use i mean what do you think uh blue check mark uh verified uh iRacing account no that'd be good but another thing that bought, annoyed me i guess tanner said he used his mom's name when he ran on the service it's like it can't be that i i guess they get your name generated like you said from your 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 method of payment which is a little annoying because I, I just recently got mine switched to my, I go by Donnie, but Donald was, is my official name, but um, they don't even give you the option of putting your, your name in. So that, yeah, a blue check mark would be fine or whatever uh, verification process. But, and um, I don't know, maybe we could find these people that are following around these drivers looking for trouble. It's annoying. It's a, it's a part of, you know, current society and it's, it's, it just sucks. Well, you know, iRacing has personal relationships with most of the pro drivers, okay? So I think it would be real easy for them to do a, a blue check mark for Tony Kanaan 
for Rubens Barrichello, you know, for for Dale Jr., you know, and, and people like that. And then think about, hey, I'm the new guy, like you just said, Donnie, I'm a new guy, I'm in a race, and there's Dale Jr., he's in my race. He's got the blue check mark. It's really him, you know? <laughs> That'd be cool. And no, you hit it out of the park there because there's a lot of, I'll see on Reddit, uh, they'll screenshot um, Alfonso's name. And they're like, is this really him? Yeah, he doesn't talk apparently. So people are always curious if it's really him. But if we had the blue check mark, we would know. But then I always feel weird because I've never once tried to ask a real driver a question, but it's so annoying when you're racing a race and you can hear that one guy trying to bug that pro just like shut up and let him race he's here to have fun if he wants to engage he'll engage but it's it'd be hard okay brian are you ready to accept the mission yeah this uh came from a tweet from porsche motorsports actually um they're announcing their first vision of an all-electric they call it the mission r uh race car and it's going to be released in iRacing. so iRacing is going to be officially in the electric car business with this new porsche mission r car so uh that is a game changer it's obviously the first electric car that iRacing's ever had in the service and um yeah it's going to be uh interesting to see um i wonder i'm curious what the um level of interest is going to be in this it's definitely a good discussion <laughs> we we kind of had this discussion in our chat our team chat uh you know what is this gonna what's gonna happen here and and i think greg had the best take Greg was saying, look, remember the jet car, the Dallara IR01, and how it was all popular and cool the first couple weeks, and everybody bought it and ran it, and and then it kind of just disappears off the face of the earth, like nobody runs it anymore. This is going to be the same way, and I, I think Greg's right. I think initially, you know, people are going to do it because it's new, it's different. You know, let's try it. Yeah, it'll be a curiosity factor there at first, for sure. Yeah, until it becomes more of a thing, and, and the electric series start becoming more popular. But it's just gonna we're we're in for a weird five to ten years coming up, especially on our side, the Cup side um, that we run. When they come up with their new engine package in the next three or four years, what are we going to see? Are we going to see a V6 turbo hybrid in in the Cup cars with a you know? PDK shifters on the column. God, I hope not. It's going to, I mean, who makes a V8 naturally aspirated engine anymore? The NASCAR Cup Series and Xfinity and them, but nobody is making that in a, in a production car anymore. So for these manufacturers, they don't want to, they don't want to put the time and resource into something that doesn't sell. So we might see, heck, who knows, maybe a four cylinder series. It's going to be weird, but um, it's something we're going to have to look into and, 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 start thinking about in the next short future. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, here in the United States, we're really coming to the, coming to a head on the whole electric car thing. You know, you got states like California mandating, you know, no gas cars can be sold after such and such year and this and that, but they can't even keep the electricity on 24 hours a day. Uh, It's a joke uh, that, you know, you, Oh, let's push all these electric cars, but our grid can't even support it. And there's no plan on, you know, beefing up the grid. But, you know, let's get the majority of Americans on electric cars and it'll all just work out. Um, 
I, I just don't see how it's going to be a smooth transition. Um, I don't know. I mean, the other thing I was thinking when I watched the video here and heard the sound of this thing, man, I'm wearing headphones and you got that high pitch whine, you know, screaming into your ear. It just, ah, I, I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. It sounded like the Formula E cars, which is a hard series to get into. For me, mainly the, the tracks suck that they run on. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I don't plan on purchasing it. Doesn't doesn't interest me. If it's something free they give us, I'll give it a go. But but um, like you said, I don't know if the staying power is there. And the reason that jet car probably didn't take off, no pun intended, was uh, probably because you had the Mercedes coming out. And you have the Delara IR18, which is a good, I mean, it's the R&D car that we run. So I mean, there's just, it wasn't a real car. Is this a real car that that's going to be? Yeah, okay. So if this is a real car, I can see maybe having some potential, but uh, who knows? Trying to find the information, but somewhere I saw it's over a thousand horsepower. Now that alone might get me to drive this thing. Uh, I, you know, that is going to make it the most powerful car in the service, I believe. Yeah, and the, and that's thousand horsepower to the wheels. Um, I don't have. I mean, me and the wife have talked about getting the Ford Lightning, but we have no plans of buying an electric car. Some of my buddies have them, and they just can't speak enough about the power of these electric cars. And I think I spoke in the in the in the group chat earlier that I, I test drove a. I won't say which one's here, but a three axle tractor that was all electric. And it blew my mind on the power that that, and I don't drive normal tractors, but I see them all the time and I see them take off, you know, going to the gears, but the electric one was as soon as you put your foot on the throttle, the truck took off. And they said they, this particular company said they drag raced it against other particular cars. And this is a three axle full size, um, tractor that, that hauls big trailers and it, it's impressive, but it only has a, a range of like 100 to 150 miles. So it's, it's you know, it's short haul business, but it's it's getting there. The electric stuff is uh, is coming. But every source of energy has its pitfalls on where they mine it. What's, I don't know. Yeah. Now, the car itself is the look of it, the style, the design. I mean, wow. I mean, I really like it. It, it, it looks like a futuristic kind of porsche you know like what what a porsche might look like 10 years from now that's kind of the look it has um the in the interior uh you know very you know almost tesla looking you know with the real sleek design and not a lot of buttons and stuff just screen and yeah i it, it's a neat looking car one of the things that might be a problem with this thing is the same thing that's that's plagued like the formula one there's only one manufacturer in this car i mean this isn't going to race in a gt series it's not going to race in imsa you know it's going to be its own separate class and when you, those typically typically those those classes don't do really well on iRacing because you don't have that variety of uh of vehicles like you do with the gt3s and and you know I where the uh, F1, you know, everybody's like, yeah, this is cool, but you know, I want more the more variety than just the Mercedes. You know, I want the Red Bull, I want the Ferrari, I want the uh, the McLarens, I want all of them. Yeah, you have that Ford Mach-E. I refuse to call it a Mustang, but that Ford Mach-E, and the, the the Ford Performance package on that thing is super damn impressive, and um, I'd like to see that on the service. Now that I might give a go, but um. Yeah, 
you need more cars in into it. And then hopefully the balance of power, once you start sorting that crap out, is easier to deal with when it comes to this electric side than, than what they got going on on the I'll do it with like chips and stuff, yeah. electronics, you know, to yeah. balance of power. Hold your throttle back a little. Real yeah. time balance of power. Real time. Well, <laughs> this thing's definitely not gonna be in a twenty four hour race, that's for sure. Now to expand more than that formula e so they have some stupid they have fan boost and they have like you can drive on a certain part of the track like it's getting a little crazy and i think that's another reason i i couldn't get into it i'm like it's too gimmicky so if we see a series like this i don't see how we can see that on iRacing in general anyway but maybe there's a way but i if you're going to bring a, a an electric series make it a racing series don't don't let's leave the gimmicks I don't. I don't need the the most popular driver to get a ten percent boost in power, or some special part of the track that you got to take to to gain gain an advantage. So we were talking about that in chat. I mean, why don't we have the Formula E cars already? And I, I think we answered it in there. I think it's the FIA and the their their restrictions. They they seem to be a pretty pretentious group over there, and they like to keep their stuff pretty tight to themselves for whatever reason. I don't know, but. It'd be nice just to try it out and just see what it's like. But we don't have any of their goofy tracks that they run on, so that's good. Okay, so transitioning to goofy tracks, I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sure. It's called the Osher-Lebin. Osher-Lebin. Osher-Lebon. Osher-Lebon, I'll go with that. I'm going with Osher-Lebin. Osher-Lebin. Oh, that sounds better because it's German. It's got that German sound to it, right? Yes, we got a tweet earlier today from iRacing, a one-word tweet with that Osterschleiben. And uh, guess what? I Google it, and there is a motorsport racetrack in Germany with the same name. Yeah, very so, cool. Didn't we find out that this was a part of the, the Norschliff, um, the Nürburgring? Or am I no, way off I don't that? think it is. I think it's a third separate uh, track in Germany. Huh. You know, I'm looking at the layout. I like the layout. Um, I think this track could be fun. Even though that looks like a a straight-up 90-degree turn at the end of the front straight, not even like a 90 with a turn, it looks like a hard square turn. So that might be a little unusual. So, wow. I mean, they. so we got two tracks that we had no inkling on at all. I mean, nothing. You know, we had the one in, in Norway. And now this one from Germany, uh, a couple little, you know, leaks here before week 13. But, man, they, they're keeping tight-lipped on some of this content right up until release. Any, is this confirmed for next week? Well, they tweeted the word. I mean, and we're having a release six days from now. So I that's as confirmed as confirms can get, I guess. Unless they're teasing season one of next year before season four is even released. No, they don't do that. So, yeah, it's definitely coming. Now, will this be a pay track or a, a free track? I don't know. Maybe maybe another free one. I don't know. All right, moving on to events. Brian, the Bathurst 1000. Just yeah, a quick we got reminder. The, yeah, next special event, the Hushkinveld-sponsored Bathurst 1000 is coming up. It is um, the time slots are um, on Saturday, September 16th through the 18th. Um, and uh yeah it's uh they're running the australian supercars in it and of course it's at mount panorama in bathurst new south wales australia 
There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to Simcoaches today. Go to Simcoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. to podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us don't forget to mention it to your fellow drivers during the race so they don't miss out we do appreciate it don't forget to join our discord and i want to shout out to our listeners over there a lot of our stories come from the uh, our listeners and uh, uh some of you guys email us some of you put it in the discord we love it. We'll take any story ideas. You can email us at iracerslounge at gmail.com. Don't forget the website, iracerslounge.com. And we are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. Fantasy, Brian. All right, boys. So uh, we had the wild card of the second wild card of Daytona this year. Um, and uh, coming out on top was I race too slow with first place. Uh, our own Tyler Williamson, second place, uh, Fat Boy, 1999. I think that's his second, second in a row. So uh, Tyler's really having a good, uh, good uh, couple weeks there. Um, oh, baby, 44 is in third. Uh, Stephen Lou Allen finishes fourth. So second first racer in the top four. Um, and uh, Greg finished ninth. Bobby Jonas eleventh. Um, I finished sixteenth. So uh, it was actually a pretty good week for uh, the first you guys, all in all. Well, besides me and Donnie, we're fighting for last. Well, you you had uh, you had Kurt Busch, right? They, like... well, I, I fixed that problem, but obviously not <laughs> well enough because I'm thirty fifth, and Donnie, you're thirty sixth. Yeah, it's pretty terrible plate race. Um, I didn't pick, um, you know, Cody Ware this time around. I, unfortunately, I missed that one. So I'm looking at the the schedule or the roster for next week. So it looks like the points are staying the same. So that answers our question that it's just going to roll through. So no playoff type format. But um, it looks like we reset to five now. We can use guys up to five times. So I I think in the back of my mind, I thought we were resetting. So I kind of mailed it in the last several weeks because after missing that middle chunk of the season i just completely forgot about but so now hey i'm i think i'm 20th or 29th overall so we'll see how it goes this next 10 races yeah so uh in the overall all standings uh, we have louder racing in front with oh baby 44 in second and jay ray in uh, third place um scotty boy fifth and 21 f is in fifth and fifth, I'm sorry. Uh, Greg, Greg's the top uh, Tafosi guy at this point. He's still hanging out in seventh place. Um, Tyler's second among Tafosi guys in f- 14th. So, um, 
Yeah, it was, a, it was, I mean, it was a, just a ridiculous week to try to predict, um, especially with the late wreck where, where like th- half of the, well, three quarters of the field was completely wiped out. Um, it was just, just an impossible race to predict. And you'll, you'll see that in the points totals for the week. Um, the winning point total was 179 points and usually they're around like 240. So, I mean, nobody was doing well. It was just survival of the fittest, I guess. Well, I had fun with it. I mean, I'm a big Austin Dillon fan, Whitney fan, Ace Dillon fan, and the Jack guy. And yeah, I mean, those guys, it was so cool to see, uh, you know, some luck fall their way. Uh, The rain, I mean, hey, we might have rain next week. I mean, mean, we, we haven't really talked about it. We don't have any really clues that that's happening, but they've been working on it. They've been working on it. Is it time? It might be next week. But I think watching NASCAR, we see why we don't need the rain in the ovals, right? <laughs> because this is what happens. We all wreck. Yeah, we don't need it. And all those posts are, um, you're making about them, I thought it was sarcastic. So I didn't know you were a big fan of Austin Dillon and, and them. So it's good well, to see. Well, a bit reaction. sarcastic, but... Uh, <laughs> I like I like ribbon, uh, you know Tony a little bit about it because he's a, he's a hater. Nice, but yeah, can you imagine a couple months in Talladega? We're just cruising along, and you know, season four's updates kicked in, and we got rain, and all of a sudden, turn one. You know, our spotter's a little late to telling us, but he did tell us a little bit. But he's like, "I oh, just hammer down," and we wreck. So after what we saw this weekend, let's leave the rain out of the oval side. There's no need for it. Uh, we don't need rain delays. We don't need red flags. Um, I would absolutely hate it. All right. So let's talk briefly about Brett, what he, you know, the, in their podcast, uh, Freddie, TJ, what they said about the rain and how NASCAR should do it differently. I mean, you, you gotta say he's got something, you know, when he says we need to post a guy in the, in the parking lot across from the track, you know, and let him call in when it's racing and they need to throw the yellow before. For the rain. I mean, it makes so much sense, but why don't they do it? TV. TV's pushing them to get that thing done. That's my guess. Well, and if they throw the yellow prematurely before rain, then you might have a favoritism problem. Oh, they threw it because, you know, Dale Jr.'s out front or whoever their guy is. You know, Bubba's out front. Let's throw the yellow. Yeah, that's when you can't let social media dictate your life. Um, it is what it is for going forward. Now we're going to probably see yellows before the rain comes, but um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know I don't if we will. We had that rainbow yellow a couple years ago at Daytona where everybody claimed it was a chase Elliott yellow, but I mean, uh, we're, they're not going to not throw the yellow going forward. You're not going to stack 27 cars in a turn one again, but who knows? They are done. I mean, their race control seems to be the worst of any series I watch. So maybe it's possible. Maybe they'll do it again. Who knows? They did it last year in New Hampshire. They didn't learn. So seems well, like that's weather. what I was going to say. Yeah, New Hampshire, I mean, they drove into a, a green flag, you know, coming off a restart, and it was pouring rain, and, and uh, they all piled them up. Isn't NASCAR's home in Daytona? They're, they're probably used yep. to this weather. And I bet we still go back in August, and we still run these, um, these summer weather rain events. But well, I'd be curious what it's like in October in Florida. We can have Bobby chime in on the chat later, but what Florida weather's like in October? Is it different? Then maybe swap uh, Florida and Talladega out, but I'm sure it will rain in 
Talladega yeah. as well. But but what about you know history, nostalgia, tradition? We've always had the the firecracker four hundred, you know, and now it's morphed into what it is now. But I mean, you're suggesting moving it even more. Well, if they want this format, so I say yes. Go back to Fourth of July because that's what I grew up watching. But we have to have these stupid playoffs and these excitement races. So you got to now. I think Bristol's a cutoff race. Talladega's a cutoff race. And it's just, I don't know. I want it. I know we complained in the Winston Cup days about Jeff Gordon winning, you know, with seven races to go. But at this point, this this stuff gets out of hand. With uh, it, almost feels. I don't want to say fake. Fake's not the right word, but. Um, um, manufactured manufactured yes and i don't want that i want the racing to be racing and not have to worry about cutoffs and playoffs and none of this crap but i'm different based on my previous comments you can probably see i'm pretty boring and I, I like things a certain way hardware software brought to you by supreme 3d printing are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, feel free to contact us for your needed item. They're over on Etsy at Supreme 3D Printing. Don't forget, you know, Greg and I uh, both got our full wind sim system from Kyle, and he can uh, set you up with everything you need to make it plug and play. All right, Brian, can you bend your monitor? Yeah, this uh, came by way of a TikTok video from Corsair. Uh, and they have an um, ultra-wide monitor. It's a flat, flat screen monitor. And uh, the guy uh, on the demo comes up, and he just grabs it by the corner and curves the monitor. It turns from a flat monitor to a curved monitor just by just by adjusting, you know, grabbing it and pulling it. Um, it's the first I've ever seen anything like this where, uh, you know, a, a, a computer monitor uh, can be curved and bent and, and manipulated like that. Um, really interesting. I guess my question would be, you know, when you're, when you're doing that, does it create any kind of waves on the screen? Cause you're, you know, you're, you're shortening the length of the screen when you curve it, um, that, that materials, something's got to happen with that material. Does, does it, is, do they figure out a way to keep it from, from, uh, from buckling and, and, and folding when you do that, or, or, or those fold or, or there are folds that are actually seen in that it's the video is not long enough. doesn't give you any, any actual uh, gameplay or anything like that on it to see uh, if there's any effects on the screen from doing that. But that'd be my first question to ask, but a really interesting idea. You know, it's almost like they, Brian, they, they, they left the screen on a black image on purpose so you couldn't see what it does to the image right they put a logo right in the middle they show and bend it you you can kind of see the ripple in the screen surface like the light kind of bouncing off of it but yeah it's total black so you really can't tell you know what's happening to the image it's got to be something they figured out to to make it either not noticeable or something because i mean that's like a if if the image is distorted or something like that, that's that's uh, pretty much game over. That's not something you'd want to see. So for the audio listeners, I'm going to say it one more time. Imagine a widescreen 42-inch TV, flat, and you just reached out and grabbed the left side and the right side corners or sides, 
and just bent them in towards you to make it a curved monitor. You let go and it holds the curve. It, it like holds it where you leave it. Uh, and, and it's just fascinating the way it looks. Yeah, I've seen some people's uh, folding foldable phones in person and I was skeptical on those and those look decent. You can feel the the middle where it folds, but screen-wise, once everything's running, it looks fine. I'm always skeptical on stuff like this when you first see it, but I'm, I'm also thinking what would be the need to have to bend your monitor into a curved or make it flat again? Um, hey, I don't know, but technology always advances in crazy ways and we never see it coming, then one day it's here. Yeah, I'm gonna work on a flat screen, but I want a game on a curved screen. Right. Well, one of the things I was thinking about when I saw this is like how easy it would be to line up the screens if you had triples, you know, because sometimes that can be really, really difficult to get the screens lined up just right. You know, this one, you could just bend it to the right position so that the bezels just line up perfect. Yeah, and this, I guess this would help with having your, if you wanted your flat monitor in front of you and then the two curves on the side or however you want to adjust them, this, this could be your option. Okay, Donnie, how about the... Uh, Acetec hydraulic pedal. Yeah, Acetec is coming out with um, some product. It looks like they're attacking that mid-level range uh, for hardware. But they came out with a Pagani, a Pagani R sim racing pedal set is brought to life through a unique collaboration between Acetec Sim Sports. The pedal arms and foot plates of the Pagani our sim racing pedal set are based on the exact design used in the hypercar itself. So it's Pagani's hypercar with just a few tweaks to fit it for racing or sim racing use. The hydraulic sim racing pedals are plug and play out of the box um, using the Ace Tech Sim Sport Race Hub. And cool. These look cool, I guess. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when I see them, I don't. I don't see cool. I mean, I see fancy. I see uh, the the pedal faces are, let's I would say unique. I mean, we got ovals, some real elongated oval on uh, you know for the the two pedal faces. They're very unorthodox. I mean, I don't know if you would normally see a pedal face like this in a race car. Now, would you see it in a a hyper supercar, maybe, yeah, you know, because you want it to look a certain way and and whatnot. The other thing I, you know, I, I see here is the hydraulic part of the pedal is sleek, small, very small uh, footprint. I mean, there's not a lot of hardware here. Yeah, it's to obviously replicate what the real Pagani supercar pedals look like, but. I, I I can see you maybe uh, having some performance uh, loss using these unless you get really used to them. Um, they just don't look like they're going to give you any advantage. You're buying this for the aesthetic, for the look, for the name. But now now that you got the Pagani pedals, where's your Pagani wheelbase and wheel? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It looks nice. Yeah, it looks. Uh, uh, it's cool for somebody. I, I really like yeah. the Ace Attack pedals they put out before. I mean, uh, the, the one that had the orange, the orange and black ones. I think. I mean, those looked really good uh, compared to these. Yeah. It looks like they only come in a two-pedal configuration, no, no clutch pedal. Yeah, Ace Attack, as you mentioned, Mike. It's, I don't know how long they've been around. I've only been hearing the name recently, but it sounds like something that's on the rise, kind of like Moza, you know, taking a part of that uh, Fanatec market. 
not taken apart, but taken part in the Fanatec market. And they're coming in at 1680 um, euros, which is, I think, is still pretty much a one to one close to. Uh, That's a lot. Between US dollars. So about $1680 for a two pedal set. That's not even a third pedal set. Now I'll take these highly adjustable, super awesome sim coaches that I got last week if I'm going to pay that price. There you go. Now let's keep it on Ashatech, Ashatech, whatever that you call it. Because guess what? They are expanding. Um, are you ready for a broken wrist? We got a Traxian article by Thomas Harold Lord. He details his experience of getting his hands on the prototype direct drive wheelbase by Asetech. They call it Invicta. The wheelbase has promised to produce 27 Nm of torque. Now for reference, the DD2 is 25. The VRS Direct Force Pro is 20. So I haven't got the, the direct drive yet, as some of you guys have. Is there going to be a difference between 27 and 20 other than the power? Like, what are you going to get out of it? Or are they just trying to achieve something? Or maybe during their design process, they came across 27. And they're like, oh, we, now we're going to market it as the most powerful DD on the market. I, I think there's something to be said for, for more power because I believe it, it provides you more fidelity when it comes to those little feels, those, you know, little rumble of, of the, the engine or the bump or whatever, you get a little more fidelity, I think, in those, in the higher powered wheels. Now I could be wrong, but that's what I understood. Now, would you run it at a hundred percent? Probably not. I mean, I think mine is a 20, uh, NM, my DD one. And, uh, I run it pretty much at 80% on every car except next gen. And that's hundred percent. But most cars, 80%, I don't even turn it up all the way, and I'm fine with it. I mean, I wouldn't feel like, I don't feel like I need more. I mean, if I was running 100% on every car, and I felt like I'd need more, then I would say that. But I, I really am not. So I don't know if, uh, you know, is 27 better than 20? I don't know. Yeah, I um, I have the DD2, which is the 25 newton meter. And, yeah, I never... I never get it near a hundred percent. It's just too, too strong. So, I mean, it's good that it's cool that it's got that capability, but I just don't see those extra two meeting, two newt meters making uh, that big a difference. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. Maybe it's just a selling point saying, Hey, we got the strongest DD out there, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's something you would actually notice. The fidelity is what you really notice the most. It's good that there's another choice in the high uh, Newton meter market. You know, you, you got the DD2, you got the Simu Cube, and now you have this. You know, I don't know that the the VRS really matches, you know, meets up to that category, you know, when it's running 20. But, but uh, you know, if you're looking for more than 20, there's really those three. You know, since I put the VRS wheel on my short list, I think I have that in the Simu Cube. Uh, two sport on my short list of ones to to research. Um, I can't find anybody saying anything bad about the VRS wheel. Um, so, and the price is sitting at seven ninety nine. But the twenty newton meters. I mean, I don't know how much personally I would be losing as opposed to the the twenty five or even the twenty seven. 
All right, Brian, how about the NGASA Pro Pedals? Yeah, so another set of penalties, pedals, this one, uh, NGASA 3D wrap uh, pedals. Um, they look, uh, they're like the aluminum alloy type uh, load cell pedals with um, with hall sensors and 24-bit electronics. Um, it's a it's it's more of a what you would see for a traditional um, built um, pedals as opposed to the ones we were just talking about earlier that were a little bit more a little fancier and kind of had that uh, sports car um, commercial look to it than the race car pedals. Um, so yeah, it's a solid looking pedal. They're uh, they're not, I'm trying to find a place here. Well, 549 Six, to 649 between 549 euros. and 649. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on whether you get the, it looks like it depends on whether you get the the clutch or not. So uh, for load set pedals, that's that's right in the ballpark of, of your average price pedals. Like uh, they compare probably a little bit higher price than like a Fanatec pedal would be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's got that look of the Heiskenvelds. Uh, load cells and and i don't know i would i would rather go with the heiskenvelds if it was me and it's almost the same price so this is a from a company 3d wrap.it where they do 3d printing and i presume there's a few little pieces on this on these pedals that are 3d printed i mean a lot of it most of it is metal though um you know they do have a, a base plate but you know it's just the way they present it I don't know. It just doesn't look great to me. The short cable that hooks them together, you know. There's so many different There's pedals so out there. I don't know about this one, but uh, but yeah, it's it's out there. Now we talked yeah, about Acetec. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying there, there's a good bit of customization for this. It might be one of the strong features of this is how, how customizable it is with, uh, with the setups and different plates that you can get. So that's one of the things I would say it's got going for it is, um, is how well you can build it to your needs. I guess it's all perspective. I mean, for, for us that are using hydraulic pedals, I mean, we look at this thing like a toy, but if you're on a, a Logitech G27 or a 920 and you got these pedals, they're a big step up from something like that. So, you know, it's all perspective and, and budget. Now, we talked about Acetec uh, as a big mover in the hardware. And now Moza is really coming to the forefront as well. And we have literally a collection of videos uh from the new Moza R5 bundle. Now this is a uh, direct drive wheelbase, a set of pedals, like the cheapest, most basic pedals you could dream of, uh, and a, a steering wheel, an oval wheel with a nice button pad, uh, button box and whatnot. Uh, the, the oval wheel looks pretty nice. I think it's 11 inches though. Um, the direct drive wheel is basically a knockoff of the Fanatec uh, CSLDD, uh, and it's going to have the same five uh, NM power um, as a CSL uh, DD is, and it's going to be a, a competitor to that. Well, they're doing the bundle where you get the wheel, the base, and the pedals all for one price. I think it's so under six hundred dollars. Yeah. I thought Moses R9 was their R9 Mini was their um, 
Fanatec compatible or a comparable uh, mini direct drive. So I thought this one was even. Well, even maybe smaller. you're right. Maybe I, I read that wrong. Yeah. But is that casing on that direct drive? Is that plastic? It's hard to tell uh, from the videos, but it could be. The price is good. I mean, when you're getting a Logitech setup, you're between 250 to 400, I believe. Um, I'm 600 bucks. You get all three. I'm just curious on that that wheel, that wheelbase, and and even the the steering wheel itself looks a little um, like it could be better. But then again, it's 600 bucks for all three, and the pedals. I mean, they might be a step up above Logitech, maybe. I mean, are they filling a piece of the market that needs filled? I mean, is this a price point we need? Like, if if you're going from the the cheap Logitech, you know, bundles, which are what three to four hundred dollars. I mean, what's the next step up? I mean, this would be a good, nice next step up, probably. But then you're taking small incremental steps, and now you're going to be spending tons of money over time because what's your next step over this? Are you going to go to the the R9? So I, I see if you're getting into it and you see the Logitech and you're putting this together with, with this this package that Moza has here, now you're going to just weigh what you can afford because you're getting everything the same. You're getting the pedals, the base, the wheel. Um, no shifter, so you got to outsource that shifter. I mean, you have the paddles on the wheel, but... So yeah, that's something you you would you would have to weigh the, the cost in. I don't. I'm sure the quality's slightly better on this Moza, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'd go from Logitech to this. You'd probably want to take a bigger leap, and you know, just take a bigger leap in the hardware uh, jump than than going to this. But maybe this as a starting off point. Well, we've talked about that all the time. I mean, buy once and save instead of buying twice, three times, like it, you say. It's hard to buy once in the beginning when you don't know what you're doing. Um, so you're going to go after the the shiny, the Fanatec with the nice website, and it has everything together, and it looks great. And um, so that's where you start. That's where I started. And then you slowly start to realize there's other options out there. So it's gonna you, you sh shouldn't take the step by step by step by step. I think maybe buy what you can afford in the beginning, get yourself passionate about the hobby, and then really start thinking, about what you want and um i'm a weirdo i like my my list of things and i do my research and uh so i've got every component that i'm i'm gonna upgrade and i've got a list of what i want and you kind of have in my opinion now not everybody's the same um but to, to to make to make small steps you're just gonna you're gonna be spending a lot of money over a short period of time or or a long period of time however quickly you do it yeah i don't know if i bought this package i wouldn't think I, this would be a one and done kind of purchase now you go buy those sim yeah. coach pedals you, i bet you feel like those are you're never going to buy another set of pedals again right that, that's it i'm done and with their lifetime warranty it's it's awesome and their customer service no honestly there's nothing above this um i'm going to invert these these are mounted to the deck right now um the ones i tested in shop are inverted so yeah i'll eventually invert these but um yeah, so th this is the top for me for pedals. So now I'll work on, you know, the next components to the game here and see what direction I want to go and hopefully start um, cutting metal this week to, to start putting together the new rig. Wow. Okay. Brian, they, Moza also announced. Now, I got to say, they have an incredible marketing team to be able to get their products out all to the YouTube reviewers all in the same week. So we have all these different sources uh, about this information. 
man, they really do have the marketing down. But uh, Brian, we have a, a formula wheel from Moza that is really nice, actually. Yeah, it's um, called the Moza Racing FSR Formula Wheel. It was reviewed by Will Ford at Boosted Media. Of course, he, he does a fantastic job, as always, on his reviews. Um, I can Some of his takeaways on it was that um, he, he, he felt like it was uh, really well-made, very solid. He liked the buttons. They were uh, aluminum on the buttons, as opposed to like the ones on Fanatec that are plastic break all the time, especially those caps are worthless. Um, leather grip, which he really liked over the Alcantara for some reason. Uh, I guess that's just, might be just what you prefer. He likes the stiffer, um, stiffer uh, leather grip as opposed to Alcantara. Um, so uh, the one thing that he did mention was the, um, it's got like um, the four inch screen that's inlaid into it. And uh, he was not overly impressed with that application. Um, it, it didn't work great with all uh, titles. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it didn't work great with iRacing. It was more, it, ha it was, uh, some of the features were not available in, in, in iRacing as it was in the Codemaster games, which I guess it's more suited towards for some reason. But, um, but yeah, so that was his biggest drawback was that was, uh, he, he, the screen features uh, were not a par. He thinks maybe some of that could be adjusted in, in some firmware updates as they uh, developed it a little bit better. But for now, it's a little, little lackluster. But other overall, not bad. It's uh, running, uh, I think it was around 650 for this wheel. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a in between, uh, in between like a Fanatec and on the, on the lower price end of a formula wheel and like the higher end of like a Gomez or something like that. So uh, if it has its market right in, uh, right in between there and uh, you know, overall he had a uh, really good things to say about it and it looks like it's real nice. Uh, it is, you can backlight the, the buttons and switches, which can be adjusted. So that's pretty cool. So uh, it's got led backlights for the lights, what make it light, light up, look really cool. Yeah, yeah, I think he so said, this, is, this is the Fanatec. This, this is the wheel nice. that we wanted Fanatec to build all along that they never did. Yeah, he mentioned, like Brian was saying, the, 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 the dials being made out of aluminum. But this just shows the range that they're gonna they're gonna produce and they're gonna they're gonna sell the story just above this being your entry level uh, DD pack, and then you have this this nice high end or, or high end wheel that you can purchase as well. Pretty cool. I like the look of it. Um pretty neat look okay so donnie tell us the top five reasons to choose some coaches which you did yeah so they um lawrence and the guys are releasing they he said they're going to release a video every single day and they want people part of their discord um to basically like and comment on it so they can start working in the algorithm so it can start developing the algorithm essentially but um, no, the top five reasons were uh, adjustability and, and based off what he has here, he's put two pedal videos out in the last two days. Um, the, uh, how you can uh, adjust the pedals to face the, the throw, the pitch, um, the hydraulicness, their, their visor app, you can go in there. Uh, the design, the lifetime warranty, it's just overall a great pedal set. It's an awesome video to watch. It just further sells the video or the pedals itself. Obviously they're expensive. They, they do cost uh, some money, but, um, but they're made in America. Every part there, except for the, um, the hydraulic component, they, they actually know because um, 
The hydraulic oh, component they have now in the pedals, uh, yeah. they make themselves. Yeah. So the ones they didn't before. So, so prior to me showing up on the sh at the shot Friday, I watched uh, Boosted Media's video of their hydraulics pedals leaking. So I asked them about it, and I said, "Hey, uh, what's the story of this? Because they're leak proof and whatnot." And those were a previous version Willwood hydraulic cylinders that they used. These ones, they went ahead and made themselves. And um, so far, so good. I've only had them a week. Only ran a you know probably a couple hours on on the pedals and and nothing. But for them to be able to take what they learned from that and then to just make their own hydraulic cylinder, which honestly looks really good, the construction behind it looks really good. Um, it's just awesome, and it's it's. I mean, the craftsmanship behind it is awesome. When it, they, they gave me the tour of the shop. And they were showing me the real world side of stuff and they were making um brake calipers for i can't remember what the car it was but i was like oh wow so when you're done you polish these up and he's like no this is what they come out of the lathe looking like and that's the quality they have they're they're such a a fine uh, detail to their lathing that they come out looking polished which is pretty incredible yeah the look of these pedals i mean when you see them they got this heft you know weight to them like and they look valuable. I mean, it's just, yeah, they look like they cost a lot of money. I mean, the other thing about the video I thought was he talks about how he designed that hydraulic cylinder and how he made it specifically for sim racing and how sim racing needs are different than real racing needs. And, and, and he designed, I think he said some kind of dual washer or dual something that, you know, keeps it leak proof. And I thought that was fascinating. I mean, the other fascinating thing about Lawrence is throughout the video, he, he, he does like these little quick commercials, like 10 seconds. Hey, go like and share and do this and that. And hey, here's my phone number. I want you to text me now and tell me what you think. And, and, and he's really putting his phone number out. You know, like he really wants people to text him and, and talk about Sim Coach's breaks and pedals and, uh, you know, answer his questions. I mean, he's, he's ready to really service you like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, situation. So we didn't set any any time aside for, for me to discuss what uh, I experienced at the shop, but I mean, when you call that 702 number, he picks up the phone. When you text it, he texts right back. Uh, when you email, you get an email back right away. Uh, the Discord is phenomenal. It just feels like you're a part of something and something that's growing. And they talked about some products coming down, down the pipeline, and he said the thing was um, confidential, uh, whatever we talked about, I can, I can talk about here, but, um, it's just, it was just awesome, uh, to be able to, to see that going on. Um, but yeah, the text, like he will respond to you. He's responded to every message I've, I've had and every question when I, I asked him what his, cause so when we tested the load cell setup in his lobby, the, the pedals were inverted. And so I just asked him the other day, I was like, Hey, what is your degree that you have that plate set at? Cause that's, I'm going to invert mine. And he's like, hold on, let me get back to you. And I think today in the Discord, I, I haven't checked yet, but I heard that um, they're coming out with an inverted bracket for so you can invert the pedals. So, I mean, and just things we talked about, the they're coming up. So the first thing they're coming out with this year is going to be the wheel. It's going to be a Gomez-type wheel. It's going to be in that range, and it's going to be in that price point. But um, the shifter, the sequential shifter, uh, that's going to be the next project that comes out sometime second quarter, third quarter next year. 
but he like, for instance, he didn't have a, I was like, Oh, what's it going to look like? You know? And he didn't have a design quite yet. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool if you can have it look somewhat like your handbrake. And then he went immediately to his handbrake and started looking at it. And he's like, wow, I think you're right. I think we can make something off of this. And, um, I don't know. He just seems like a down to person. Everybody in the shop was incredible. It was just a good experience. All right, cool. Glad to hear about your tour and your purchase. Uh, sounds like a good, good buy. Next I got is the AMD 7000 series details. Uh, we got a video here on the AMD 7000 series processors. And guess what? They're outperforming Intel's best at around a 12% average, according to Jay's two cents. And, um, you know, these, these videos are kind of hard to read. They kind of, I mean, hard to watch. They kind of melt my brain a little bit when he starts talking all these specs and I really have to pay attention to try to understand what he's saying. But, but basically uh, the new AMD 7,000 chips that are coming out, they're going to be the ones to get for sure. If you're doing a new build, um, Intel is not even in the ballpark, according to Jay. Um, the, the best chip that they're offering is going to be about 700 bucks and it's not real. I, I think he said it was only 290 Watts. It, it doesn't use a lot of power like some of the previous, uh, generations. Um, and it's only the five, uh, nanometer thick or whatever. Uh, it looks like the thin or thinnest one they've come out with yet. And that's what is driving the clock speed uh, i think it was 5900 megahertz uh which is this insane and and that's out of the box that's not overclocking uh it's you know you you plug it in you got 5900 megahertz yeah and as uh, i run the the ryzen 7 now as my chipset but um as i upgrade i'll be going this route uh mainly but i hear the uh, iRacing i mean I, I have the md graphic cards as well but i hear iRacing doesn't allow the amd cards to run their full capabilities i i was reading that in the forums and it seems like a lot of guys run nvidia cards on on the service yeah i think uh they were telling you that in our discord chat this week um that's what it was yeah they were yeah they were saying basically um nvidia is a little bit better and i i believe it's because of the ray tracing but i'm not sure okay i got this one too because I have this wheel, uh, the Cube Controls F Pro is now SIM Hub compatible. Now, when I first heard of this, I had to double take. I'm like, wait a minute, SIM Hub? I mean, wouldn't I use that for a display? Wait, my wheel doesn't have a display. I don't get it. So I had to kind of look at this thing a few different times. I, I looked at the Facebook group as well, and I kind of figured it out. But basically, you're using SIM Hub to control the LED lighting uh, with the wheel. So before this, Cube Controls has a proprietary software you can run, which you can go in and assign the colors to the various buttons. Kind of a cumbersome piece of software. It wasn't really great. It, it only had one profile, like you couldn't have multiple settings where you could switch between them. But now they've integrated with SimHub. So what I had to do is I had to update the firmware on the wheel. I updated the software for the wheel. And then I had to get the beta version of SimHub. Now, the beta version of SimHub has a new tab called Devices. And in there, you'll see not only the Cube Controls F Pro, but several different uh, 
dashes, like little dashes you would put on your direct drive wheel uh, with telemetry. And so uh, the new SIM hub beta will let you uh, program those. So anyway, I played with it a little bit today. Um, I got the SIM hub thing up and running. I got the colors uh, where I, I have my random colors and I made another profile with blue only. Um, and so I'm gonna go make different color schemes under different profiles and maybe switch between them. And then I saw a post from uh, a person in the Facebook group about uh, this allows you to do all kinds of stuff where like you can make the, the, li the light blink. Like if uh, you go to push the start button, you, it'll blink after you push start or whatever, or you do the pit lane limiter uh, and you can have it change colors, green or red and, and that kind of thing. So you can really drill in and program the lights uh in all these custom ways now i didn't know how to do that looking at sim hub directly so i started asking questions and cube controls contacted me and sent me over to github for a led editor guide and they have a guide here that basically tells you how to do all that programming in the sim hub so I haven't dug into that. I wanted to mention it on the show if you have the Cube Controls F Pro. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get into, you know, all the light programming and stuff. I just think it's cool to, you know, I want to make all my lights one color or something like that. Yeah, you have the option. Sounds cool. Let's go into results next. It's the NASCAR iRacing Series, Daytona. Let's finish up uh, Friday Open, P6. Greg and I ran P1, P2, the first part of the race. Uh, Steven, was, Lou Allen, was also in our race. He eventually got up there with us. At one point, I made a bad move to the top and I lost some track position but I worked my way back up for the final restart for us to be first, third, and fifth. So we were lined up one, two, three on the bottom lane. It was like the most perfect scenario for teammates trying to win a race. So we had a nice little breakaway too after the restart. Uh, we wind up coming up to the final corners and Steven Allen, who was second line behind Greg, made a move on teammate Greg and basically took the win and then as soon as he went around Greg, I mean, everyone else behind us came flying up. They got the draft or something. And so we had to fight them off. Uh, and it was basically a scramble and a wreck as we came across the line. But we did get the win as a team. It was a little awkward because I, I kind of thought we were going into that restart pushing Greg. I thought, okay, both of us are going to you know greg happens to be out front we're going to push him to the front and we're going to win uh, win this but i didn't expect steven to to uh, pull out but that's what happened so uh things are always interesting in, in when you're in the same split with teammates uh the dynamic of you know whose turn is it to win yeah that is so it is nice for play races sometimes to be by yourself for probably that exact reason but uh i ran um qualified second ran p13 <clears throat> ran up front 
led some laps. So those are my first laps led in, in the NIS series. Had a great green flag pit stop on lap 39. Uh, saved fuel under every caution. The clutching seemed to work the best. If you just hold your clutch in and coast, you actually save a lot of fuel. Uh, but we ended up going to three green-white checkers, and with the last green-white checkered, I started P3 and ran out of fuel. I think you were spotting me at the time. You had just got into my, my session. But going into turn one, um, that was it. I was out of fuel, had to go to the apron. But uh, all in all, a plus positive and I rating during Daytona week and all the series, um, BC, BC and uh, NIS I ran. Yep. Yeah, Greg, he ended up P3 after Steven won. Uh, he led 75 laps and, of course, was leading on the white. Uh, that was kind of the way Greg's week went. Uh, and then Tony Rochette, a P5. Sunday Open, Greg, P2. Again, led 35 laps and led the white flag lap, but still P2. Uh, David Hall wrecked on the white flag, running in the third lane, and one of the greats made a mistake on the apron and took us all out. <laughs> okay, Sunday fixed. Uh, Brian, you were there. You were trying. You were there with me, but it didn't work. Yeah, I'm having some issues, and uh, you know it's going to probably require some uh, some rebooting. I'll talk about it. That's going to be my final thoughts. But I didn't, the lowdown is I didn't get the race with you, Mike. I was really disappointed. You were registered and everything, but it didn't. You weren't able to get it in there. Correct. All right. Well, my race uh, Sunday fixed. I got involved in the first three cautions. I had one and a half minutes damage. I was able to recover after fixing it up to leave some, lead some laps on, on the um, excuse me, on the final stop. I ended up with excessive speeding and had to drop to the end with 18 to go. I got involved in another wreck with two and a half minutes damage and I was getting it repaired. And then at the end of the repair, it ended up giving me tires and I lost the lap. So here's how it plays out. I pull in for repairs. I uncheck my tires and, and, and you know, I, I think I unchecked my fuel too, cause it was near the end. I sit there for a minute and a half and I get repairs. I wait until the, the pace car is coming and it's four seconds away. And I go to pull out and leave pit lane. It starts changing my tires. I never touched the tires. Now I'm not the first person this has happened to. It's happened to me before this season. I know it's happened to David Hall. We need this crap fixed. I am definitely not picking tires. My software programs are not picking tires. Why is it giving me tires a minute and a half after my stop has started? I lost a lap because of that and it sucked. But anyway, <laughs> later I actually got the lucky dog and I restarted P10 on the final restart. I got wreck coming to the line and that put me over the incident limit and I got the black flag and I ended up P18. Tough, tough week for me. I didn't get my Daytona win that I usually get, so I'm a little disappointed. All right, Donnie, how about Wednesday Open, Darlington? Yes, yeah, looks like uh, Kyle got a win. He started 10th and slowly worked uh, his way to the top five in the first seven laps. Uh, lap 13, a caution came out. He was trying a strategy, trying a strategy that didn't work out and restarted P1 but faded fast. <clears throat> Hopefully that wasn't the Leahy strategy. In a handful of laps, you got a caution and you got tires. Restarted in the high 20s and through attrition, he, mar he marched his way. 
but in, overall he got a win uh wednesday night in the open series uh, at darlington so good for kyle yeah and I, I didn't realize this kyle hadn't won for quite some time i think he said his last win was spring talladega last year so congratulations kyle pendigraft uh i was able to jump in at the end and watch the end of his race uh, the last start, uh, Bobby was there as well, Bobby Jonas. Um, it was fun. Uh, it's always fun to see a teammate break through. I mean, there's a reason that all these guys are on this team because I feel like they're winners and and I expect them to win at some point. And, and sure enough, all of us end up doing it. So uh, congrats to Kyle. And Darlington I got. Too. Oh yeah, Darlington's tough, yeah. So my race, uh, P12, basically I ran top five most of the day. Uh, I, I went to short pit on a green flag stop and the caution came out as we came onto pit road. I ended up losing a lap and never could get it back, basically. Now, Tom Dryling was in my split. Uh, it, he was right in front of me when we pulled onto pit road as a team. You know, we, we both decided to short pit at the same time and uh, and the caution literally came out as we were pulling right at the line and it was too late to pull out i mean to not pit but and then the question was do we stop or do we drive through and we decided to drive through and uh, that ended up being a mistake too but i recovered tom didn't um yeah he had a bad run it looks like david finished p19 in a strength of field of 4.7 um I rating. Uh, he expected to be in the top 20 or the, right around uh, 20th place. Uh, should have 15th or higher, but pitted on the wrong side during green flag stop. So P19 out of that strength of field is pretty good. I think he had a decent collection of points out of that as well. And uh, Tony finished 11th, started second, stayed up front for most of the race, just ran out of tires on the last run. Okay. And then next up is how about the NASCAR B Open? Yeah, I ran that last last night, uh, first race with these new pedals, or the night before, can't remember, one of these two nights. I uh, started uh, P9, finished P9, it was a good run. Uh, my speed fell off a little bit towards the end, only received, it was a little bit of, uh, I think we had 100 laps in this race, but I only received one stripe, and that was my fault for uh, testing out the, the tire limit going into one, I wanna see if I could pick up more speed, uh, but it didn't do too much damage, just uh, brushed the wall, but 100 laps, brushed the wall once so i was pr pretty proud of that but but other than that is good i love darlington um i just love it it's such a contrast from last week and i always I always do well here i always have good runs always enjoy myself at this track all right so let's move on to fast track league on monday nights p4 a good team showing too many cautions at the end we had to pit before the final green white checker so same thing that you had earlier donnie where we ran out of fuel um, prematurely before the end, and we had to literally pit with just two to go. That put us back. Uh, there were several that had worked the fuel correctly, and um, and so they that put them in front of us. And uh, I still don't know how they figured out the fuel. They must have pitted on one of those short cautions when we didn't notice. But uh, P4, Greg got P5, and Joe Owen P9. The three of us were pretty much lockstep most of the race. Uh, we were running up front. We were looking good. We were working as a team. Adam, uh, he kind of did his own thing. He ended up P26. 
David Hall isn't listed here. He did run. He was super frustrated uh, at the end of the race, uh, and I think he intends to quit the league. Uh, he had uh, hit the incident limit. A bunch of his incidents were not his doing, and he was very frustrated, and I think he got wrecked out near the end. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he wasn't happy. Hosted. I ran some hosted. I ran Chris McGuire's hosted room, 87 cars at Talladega. Started P5 out of 40. Got to the lead by lap three. Got wrecked later where I flipped completely upside down, which was kind of fun. Made for a good video. They had a competition caution. We lined them up again. Started 19th, um, got to 9th pretty quick, but then got dumped. Next one, I missed the start. I got a wave around at the halfway mark. Ran up about halfway through the pack before getting wrecked again. Then we ran the Gen 5 car at Talladega. Started P1 out of 40, no, excuse me, P31 out of 40. Got up to P6 before I wrecked. Uh, Kyle Pendigraph was in that race uh, ghosting me. Uh, he wanted to see what it was all about. It was kind of fun to have Kyle there with me. And that's it. Let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Yeah, so uh, I touched on a little bit in results. I tried to race with, uh, with you, Mike, on a Sunday night in the Daytona Open NIS race. And just I've just been having problems with our racing lately. It, um, and I thought I thought it was originally my internet connection, which can be spotty at times, but it's it wasn't. Um, when after I go to join a race session, and you get that um, you get that pop up menu pop up screen that uh, tells you it's authenticating you and setting you up to get on the service, it would just keep timing out on it. It would never let me get to the to the race screen. So um, again, I thought it was my internet, but um, I uh, I um. I checked all my speeds and everything was really good. Actually, kept doing it. I finally got into a service with uh, with Mike and uh, a practice. I, I ran about 25 minutes of practice before the NIS race started. It switched me over to the actual race itself, and I couldn't even pull out of the pits before the game just completely froze and crashed. So. I mean, I still had everything else was still working. I was talking to Mike on the, on the headphones. I was, you know, VR was still working, just the iRacing crash. So I think I'm going to have to do a complete uh, reinstall of iRacing. And uh, I, I, I think it's something that was uh, corrupted on me when I tried to download the latest uh, big patch. So I'm going to try that and see if it don't fix the problem. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm kind of stuck. Now, how easy is that to uninstall and reinstall the entire service? It's a it's a pain in the butt. Now, does it come off your SSD and then you put it right back on? Um, no, you, you got to manually take everything off. Redownload it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you do the just get the original thing, then you have to do all the updates if you had an old version of the download. All right, very good, Brian. I hope it works out. Maybe reinstall Windows at the same time. I don't know. I think I think that's what I'm going to do, Mike. I think I'm going to do start from scratch. I mean, if you're going to go that much trouble, do Windows too. Yeah, it's a part of the journey. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. All right, Donnie Spiker. Final thoughts. No, I said a lot of it earlier. Just meeting the guys at the Sim Coaches was great. Um, had a fun week at Daytona. I hate plate racing, but I ended up having a great week last week, uh, and I love Darlington, so I'm rolling into this week 
uh, excited. I think uh, we'll do the NIS tomorrow night, maybe get another uh, a truck and Xfinity race in as well. All right, very good. Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Um, I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic for my race later. Is it too soon to make electrical jokes after all the topics tonight? <laughs> no. Um, no, uh, I've got a, I'm racing at Le Mans in a GT3 in a couple minutes here. Um, and I'm looking forward to racing some Darlington this weekend. Long weekend. Last weekend before our kids go to school, so all the kids will be in school. So nights will be more hectic, less hectic. I'm not sure yet, but we'll find that starting uh, next week. But uh, yeah, um, I want to do a shout out to uh, Tyler and uh, whoever else uh, was doing a great job in the social media this week at Daytona. Uh, we had a bunch of stuff being, questions being asked and um and even tonight, putting the podcast up on social media, things like that, it drew a lot more attention, and it looks like we've had a little bit of a better audience tonight, too. So uh, good work on our social networks and stuff uh, this week. And uh, I really – I'm not usually excited about racing at Daytona. Um, I did a good job last week. But, uh, yeah, we'll move on to Darlington. All right, very good. Uh, yeah, my final thoughts uh... – Wow. I mean, I thought I was going to win Daytona. I always go into that week hoping, praying, wishing, you know, it would work out, but uh, it didn't. But it was neat to run up front. I mean, like Tom told me, we're running one, two, you know, can't be better than that. Leading the most laps, running one, two, three with teammates, uh, pushing teammates to a win. And so that was satisfying, you know, to you know seeing a teammate win i mean we really ran good at daytona as a team and and i ran good even though i don't have a win so i'm proud of it uh man i want more from darlington i only got a p12 i, I missed the race earlier today i had to drop a, a kid off at college uh, for sophomore year uh, which was an exciting uh, reason to miss it but uh, looking forward to tomorrow night man I try to get a top five maybe even a win Remember, I won the Southern 500, so I'd love to back that up. So, hey, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.